0: I don't know, if, if you're like me for the last, you know, 10 weeks, you're sitting there being like, wait, what, do we really even need to go to church? I mean, it's just as good. You know, I, you could just wake up at 9.45, <laughs> pour a cup of coffee, turn on the thing and just press play. You don't have to press play, they press play for us. Some of us are here um, because, man, we really miss each other. But is that the only reason we gather? Because we were lonely? Let's read um, from Paul's letter, the first letter to the Thessalonians. This is um, my translation, and you'll see why in just a second. But, brothers and sisters, when we were made empty nesters by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in heart, Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you face to face. We wanted to come to you. I, Paul, tried over and over again, but Satan stopped us. What is our hope, joy, or crown that we can brag about in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it all of you? You are our glory and joy. Uh, Paul founded the church in Thessalonica, and he's been gone. Uh, He did it with Silas. This is on uh, one of his early missionary trips. And he's, he's, he founds a church. He spends some time there. He grows to love the people, and then he leaves, and he hasn't been there for about a year at this point, probably. We're not exactly sure, but he probably hasn't. And then this is the ancient world. There's no, there's no cell phones. There's none of that. So he doesn't really know what's going on. The text, the text there. You're, you're, you're wondering what's the, what's the Greek word for empty nesters, right? Uh, that deserves a little bit of, um, of, of, yeah, of explanation. So the word there is um, aporphanidzo, and it's a very interesting word because it literally means orphaned, make an orphan. And that does not really fit. That's a very odd thing for Paul to say. And especially if you've been following uh, in the text uh, beforehand, you see that he's actually made some, some some kind of metaphors about himself. He says this. Look like, uh, like earlier. He re- refers to himself and to Silas uh, as—go uh, to the next slide, please. Yes. Like a nursing mother caring for her own children, Right? Paul says, we didn't ask for special treatment. We could have, because we're apostles. Instead, we treated you like a nursing mom. Later on, he says, likewise, you know how we treat each of you, like a father treats his own children. He's, so Paul's called uh, him and Silas mom and dad to all the Thessalonians. So how is it that mom and dad can be orphaned? <laughs> right? Orphan doesn't orphan mean like you have lost your children or a children who's lost their parents. If Paul and Silas are the parents, what does it mean that they were made orphans? Well, what's weird about the Greek word is that the Greek word um, can refer to uh, not just like losing a child forever— it can also mean, um, orphaning in the sense of like, say you send your child to, uh, like an apprentice and they live, or, uh, they, they you send them as an apprentice to a master trades, uh, person and that person kind of mentors them and teaches them, uh, a, 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 trade. Well, you, you, they're no longer in your care. You, you're, you're no longer, uh, their, their parent, uh, for practical purposes. And so they're orphans. That's another way that word gets used. Even more interesting. The Greek word doesn't just refer to kids who've lost their parents for for whatever reason. It also (laughs) refers uh, to parents who've lost their children for whatever reason. It goes both ways in Greek, in a way that it doesn't in, in English, and so you can see how the translators will almost never use the word orphan because it makes no sense, and it's very bizarre, even though that's what the word means. So it, it, in, in Greek, it, you can be orphaned, a parent can be orphaned by sending a child off uh, to be cared for by someone else. That, could be, you, that, that parent has been orphaned in Greek. Well, we do have an analog, to that sort of situation here in the United States of America in the 21st century, let's just imagine you had fi- you had quintuplets, Carson's. It's your you're you're on now. Now you need quintuplets to really just game changer, you know, add to the the pack. Uh, imagine you have quintuplets and they for 18 years you as parents care for them, and then. They get to a, an age where they decide, you know, now they're, you're kicking them out of the house, and so some are going to go, you know, work and get jobs and apartments. Well, okay, this is how it happened in 1950. Nowadays, we just stay with our parents until our 30s when we can afford rent. Um, but until then, uh, but the way it's used to be, at 18, you kick them out, or you send them off to college, uh, you know, and, and, and they go. And, and suddenly, mom and dad are by themselves. They're empty nesters. They've... And Paul's language, been orphaned. All right, I'm going to need uh, three volunteers, fourth grade or lower. <laughs> fourth grade or lower? Three volunteers? Anybody? Fourth grade or lower? No volunteers? We'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep, like, you know, safe space and all that. Like, Ryan will make sure that... Yeah, okay, let's have a Mayo come on up. Go ahead, yeah, come on. We need, three, we need two more. Two more volunteers. Oh, Olivia, all right, you can come up. Yeah, I need one more, for crying out loud. All, okay, yeah, great. All right. come on up, kids. No stay away. <laughs> one of you needs to stand here, one of six feet, one of you needs to stand here, and one of you needs to stand here, okay? All right, Ryan, uh, could you could you sanitize that mic? <laughs> I got my, my on for- get, yeah, get your gloves on and then sanitize the mic. Okay, now kids, here's the deal. you uh, you need to think, you need to start imagining. Okay, You know your parents pretty well, right? Yes. Okay. You need to imagine if they were free of you and all of your siblings. If you have more, if you have, if you have siblings, if they had ten days where you were being cared for by grandma, your favorite babysitter, whatever, and they could do whatever they wanted for ten days. I want you to draw. go ahead and grab these crayons. Go ahead and come on over. Yeah, oh, oh, all the way around here, right here. And then grab some crayons. I'd like you to draw for us what you think your parents would do. to, to the, the, All the stuff that they can't do because they're, you know, taking care of you guys. Now you're gone. And now they're free. Now they can do what they love. They're no longer enslaved to you, but now are free. So you draw a picture. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to show what you think your parents would do if you were gone f- for 10 days. Go ahead. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You have 60 seconds. Go 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 go! Oh, we're all choosing black. Okay, it's fine. It's your choice. Okay, what do we got here? What are they, What would? What would I do if I didn't have to deal with you? <laughs> Probably not that much different since Erin's basically raising you by herself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Good. So, uh huh. Doesn't have to be Van Gogh. All right. Actually, Van Gogh's not actually that pleasant to look at. Uh, it doesn't have to be Renoir. You can you can just draw like, stick figures. What is that? Does she need the mic to talk? Did you turn it on? Okay. I'm pretty sure my daddy would like to do this. What? Video game. (laughs) What'd she say? Video games. Video games. Yeah. Okay. Great. Like I said, nothing would change. Right. Okay. Oh man. That. Wow. All right. You guys ready? You guys ready to share? Okay, so first, uh, state your name for the audience, and then tell what your parents would do 10 days free of you. We'll start over here. Go on a date. Whoa, whoa. State your name. Emily. Emily. And your parents would do what? Go on a date. They've never been on a date ever since you guys were born? <laughs> Dude, that's that's a bummer. What would they do on a date, do you think? Go out and eat. Eat. Yeah, that's good. All right, all right. Uh, next, what do we got here? Name and... Uh, and your, what your parents would do? Oh, very good, Mr. Gates. Thank you. Owen, and they'd probably go on another cruise. A cruise. Ten days. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with ten days, you could do something fun, too. Not just the Mexican Riviera. All right. Olivia, say your name and tell what you're doing. Or what I would do. Olivia. My daddy would play video games. Okay, what about mommy, though? She would look for me. She would look for him. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I was going to judge to see who did the best job, but my goodness, you're all so incredible. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you all a reward for doing such a good job. You can choose Skittles, Swedish Fish, or Mike and Ike. come on over here and grab one. Well done, everybody. Congratulations. <laughs> Swedish Fish, good call. Swedish Fish. No one takes the Skittles. All right, it's interesting. Taste the rainbow. Um, now, you guys did a great job, uh, but you're all totally wrong. You are 100% incorrect about what your parents would do if you were gone. Well, Olivia was kind of close. See, when I, uh, when I graduated from high school, I went to college, and my parents, they, they dropped me off uh, in North Carolina, far, far from here. And uh, you know what they did? They got on a plane, they left, and you know where, you know where they went after dropping me off at college? Disneyland! Yeah! And you know what they did there the whole time? They cried. Yeah, they ruined, it, Disneyland was ruined because, and it's not that they missed me. They didn't miss me. They didn't care I was gone. They were happy about that. No, there's something different. When, when, when parents, when we leave you guys, you think that we're having fun. And for like about six hours, we do. But then the rest of the time, we worry about you. That's what we do. We, and and what's, what's really sad is that we spend all our time talking about you. And we're, and we're sitting there being like, like oh, gosh, I hope that you know, they get to sleep okay. I hope that that everything's all right. Well, that's exactly what Paul means when he says he's been orphaned, he and Silas. You see, they, they, tr- they started this church and they, and they grew to love these people. And um. Paul and Silas, they didn't have kids. Um, As far as we know. We know Paul didn't. Silas probably didn't either. They didn't have children. And so the church was their kids. Everybody in the church was their, they were mom and dad to everyone in the church. And so when they left, all they did was worry. How are they doing without us? Are they making good choices? Are they safe? And so it felt to them like they'd been orphans. Paul and Silas long to be with Thessalonians because they worry about them. First thing you know, Jesus, they worry. That's really the source. Like Paul's love causes him to be terrified. And I think probably a lot of us, sure, we missed each other, but did you ever wonder how everyone else was doing? I think a lot of us did. And that's, that's no fun. Go back to the text. This is cool. This part, Satan stopped us. Just a minor detour here. Uh, People talk a lot about, uh, you know, Satan and stopping us and, and the devil, the enemy going against us. We don't know what Paul means by this. Uh, we do however believe that there are demonic powers out there, and demonic powers do have influence. Now, that doesn't mean that everything bad in your life is caused by the enemy or one of his minions. Nor does it mean that the enemy and his minions have nothing to do with your life. They're somewhere in the middle, and we will at some point have a series on discerning that, because it's really important that we don't assign everything bad to, to the enemy, because the world's broken and doesn't need the enemy to do stuff. And And also, we need to uh, not kind of just ignore the spiritual and pretend like everything is just what we can see, taste, touch, and smell. So let's go ahead and skip the uh, the, the picture and go to the next uh, section of the text. So Paul says this. He's like, we worried about you. And then he asks them a question. He's like, what, what is our hope or joy or crown that we can brag about in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it all of you? Okay. Okay. Who thinks bragging is good? Anybody? (laughs) People who are super talented. Like, hey, hey, look at me. It's funny, though. I mean, don't you get the feeling, though, especially kids, that your parents are always telling you not to brag and not to talk about yourself? I mean, I don't want to say that any one of my kids talks about herself a lot. (laughs) But if she did, I'd probably be like, honey, that's, that's not how we roll. It's, bragging's bad, right? Uh, well, and the, the, the problem here is that as, as Americans, when we read an English, crown, we tend to think of kings. And we talk, when we read brag, we tend to me, uh, think about like, hey, I'm so awesome, look at me, I'm the center of attention. And really, that's not the case in the ancient world. Uh, crown in the ancient world is like the, the laurel crown that you get when you win, When you win a race or you're in the Olympics and you win. And for those of you who know what it's like to win, I'm not one of you, but I've seen it. I remember in 1988 when this happened. Where is it? The greatest moment of sports history. For those of you, yeah. When uh, Kirk Gibson, game one of the 1988 World Series, uh, the man couldn't walk. He, he both of his legs were injured, bottom of the ninth, Dodgers were down by one. There's a runner on first, and they call in Gibson as a pinch hitter. He wasn't even in the lineup because he was so injured. But he in the middle of the game he like calls up a sword. says, I can pinch hit. He gets up there. He goes down like 0-2 in the count. Uh he at one point he gets a foul ball up the first baseline. He's like hobbling. Up and like the whole crowd is just dumbfounded. Like, what is going on? This is the craziest thing we've ever seen. He's going up against the best closer in all of baseball, Dennis Eckersley. The the count finally gets to a full count because he takes three different balls, keeps fouling it off, and there, the, when when no one can, everyone's jaws on the floor. And then, man, he strokes a walk off home run. It's the most incredible thing. And he does this first. He he goes, yeah, yeah, and then he's like, yeah, yeah. He, he was bragging. What a terrible human being. How dare he? Did you know, true fact, he actually apologized to Dennis Eckersley, the pitcher, after because he felt bad for celebrating so much as he was going around? Because he knows that bragging is bad too. But as we're watching, we recognize there is a time to brag, right? There is a time to celebrate when you've achieved something. And it's great, it's wondrous. So looking back at what Paul says, he says, what's our hope? What's our joy? What is our award, our achievement that we can brag about in front of Jesus and say, yeah, we did it. Okay, three like middle school aged volunteers. Okay, read. I'll play your game. Come on, Evie, come on, just do it. Just do it, come on. What's the worst that could happen? You win something cool? We've already had, well, okay, if, if no one else goes, I'll take a second mail. Okay, all right, Haley, come on. Wait, no, but he's already, no, you're in the same family, get up. No, doesn't count. All right, come on up, you win. And then uh, I also need um, maybe nine other people who are either high school or older. I need nine of those. No, you get down. You're not, okay, you can, oh, yeah, you can be part of the nine, all right? So stay, stay there, stay there. I need eight more, eight volunteers. I need, you don't have to do anything. You're just going to stand over there. You're literally not going to have to do anything. You won't be bothered. There, yes, thank you. Yes, come on up. Good, over there. Anybody, I don't care how old you are. You don't have to do anything. You're just going to stand over there. I'm going to give you a number. That's it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. More. I need a, a total of nine. Or this isn't. Yes, good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you're definitely in. I just didn't know that Tori was here. Hey! Yes, good. Okay, so once we have nine, I got to, uh, Ryan. Can you uh, distribute a one number, one of those papers, to each one of the nine over there? And then for you three volunteers, why don't you come over here? And one of you stay here. One of you stay here. One of you stay here. All right. And uh, you'll notice there's a blue balloon in front of you. Um, so what your job is is I'm going to give you what like a minute. And your goal is to blow up the balloon to the, you need to be the biggest balloon without popping it. Okay, so that's going to be the goal. So whoever, after one minute, has the biggest balloon without popping wins. Do you understand? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, you ready? You got to, do they, oh, Ryan, do they have numbers? Yeah. They're good. Okay, okay, awesome. All right. on your marks, get set, go. hmm Evie, come on. You're not get, Don't let them beat you. That's just You you can win big cash and prizes. Who doesn't want to win stuff? Okay, remember, you got it's whoever's biggest without popping. So you got to kind of eyeball your enemy there and decide how far you want to go before it's too large. I know if you think if you wait long enough, you'll win, but no, you won't. Because there's only like, there's only 15 seconds to go. 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, how far do you want to go? 4, 3, 2, 1. All right, pinch it off. Let's, uh, Ryan, why don't we have it? Well done, everybody. Okay, Ryan. Who do, who do you think wins here? You definitely don't win. Go sit down. You did. You did a bad job. As yes. Reed has all right. Reed, congratulations. You're the winner. Go ahead and let those things go for fun. Whee! Awesome. Really good. Hey, thanks for your effort. Here's the deal, Reed. Congratulations, man. Reed. Uh, for what's that? I. Oh shoot! Sorry. <laughs> You're right. That was bad. Okay, don't, don't, don't see. Okay, uh, so second, third place. Why don't you guys grab a, a candy? You win that. Good job for participating. Well done. Excellent. Okay, read. You have won a ten dollar Target gift card. Wow. Congratulations, man. But wait, 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 wait. I want you to go back over to your station, and there's three folded up pieces of paper there. Okay? Uh, And Ryan, would you give him the mic here? And Reed, I want you to tell what numbers you have. And you, check your numbers right now. Here's your moment. Because, not yet, because Reed's victory is your victory too. So, if you have the numbers that, a number that Reed has, you too are going to get to go and buy a card for me at Target. All right? Desi, I'm counting on you, buddy. Okay, go ahead. Reed. Uh, number seven. Woo! You got to sanitize it, bro. Social distancing. It's a big deal. Okay. there you go, super safe 99.9% of germs, sit down Okay. Uh, number two what? Tori Tori, we worry about you most uh, we feel all orphaned now that you're at Colorado, whichever, Boulder, or whatever it is uh, so make good choices, honey love you, okay last but not least, number five woo congratulations, hey the rest of you, I'm sorry, but you lose go sit down Now, the the difference between the way Paul thinks, did you notice this? Did you notice that Reed's victory, his success, was not his alone. His success was somebody else's success. Now, look again at what Paul says. This is is interesting. Look Look at the way he's thinking about his achievement. If you have to go back, that's fine. What is our hope, joy, and crown? that we can brag about in front of our Lord Jesus, isn't it you? See, what Paul thinks is going to happen, and we believe too, is that on the last day, when Jesus comes in power and glory, when he's ruling, Okay, when he's in charge, those of us who have gone for it, who've really tried to serve him with our whole hearts, we we are going to get rewarded for that. But the thing is, what we're being rewarded for is involved in our involvement with our church family. What we're being rewarded for is our faithfulness to them. And, and guess what? They're being rewarded for their faithfulness to us. Right? When the Thessalonians, when Paul gets his crown, he's going to be like, what am I being crowned for? He's like, yeah, 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 look at the Thessalonians. All that work that, that, that mother and father we poured into them. And when the Thessalonians, when they get their crown, they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to look at Paul and Silas and say, we were faithful to what Paul and Silas taught us. Their success is our success. Our victory is their victory. The the way that God's economy works is different than ours. In ours, it's my individual achievement is what makes me rich and famous and powerful. In God's economy, it's our sharing with each other. It's our mutual faithfulness, our mutual love. That's what causes success, victory. That's where reward comes from. So when Reed wins, they win too. When they win, that means Reed won. And similarly, my success is built up on your faithfulness and success. Your faithfulness and success is built up on mine. Our staff, our, every one of us is interwoven. As long as you're with this church family, for however, whatever length of time that is, your faithfulness your success, your victory, is ours, and vice versa. And that's the next thing in your note sheets. In the economy of heaven, your victory is our victory, and our success is your success. And now let's look at that just crucial, gut-wrenching moment in the text. Um, our intense longing... I mean, you just, you know, you just imagine parents, um, and really just any of you who love this church, the intense longing you would have if for 10 weeks you had no idea if people were okay. You had no idea what was going on in their lives, whether they'd lost jobs or gotten sick, whether they'd given up on the faith because something happened. And when you're feeling that, you make every effort to come and see face to face. I wanted to come to you, says Paul. I tried over and over again. Why? What did he need? What did he want more than anything else? Nate, I know you're daydreaming. I respect that. But I'm going to need your help. Can you come on and help? All right, Ryan. Yeah, by the way, uh, Ryan, Hannah, Lauren to some extent, but you came late, so I'm not going to give it to you. Ryan, Ryan, Hannah, can you stand up for a second? Okay, the, everything that's happened here in this church, it's clean, it's beautiful. Ultimately, it's the responsibility of Ryan Gates and Hannah Reese, who have been insanely faithful servants over these last ten weeks. Let me give them a round of applause. Um, I didn't come to church. The only people who were at church were Ryan and Hannah, and then also Bill. Can you wave to everybody and say, "Bill, wave, Bill up there." in the uh, all all the lights and and I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, it's really cool though. With these, a lot of the chandeliers went out, um, and so now the roof just we can really see uh, the beauty of the building, and it's just it's such an open, uh, fresh space. And I don't know if you noticed, but. Um, uh, when, when Doug was praying and I came up, uh, the, the windows opened uh, to let in just like a whole bunch of, of natural light. Um, what an incredible gift, uh, Bill. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, man. I mean, wow, this looks awesome. Okay, Nate. need you to put on a, a mask here. But this, this is going to be a different kind of mask. What we're used to is covering up our... our well, you're not, because you haven't done any of this. But uh, most of us who've been wearing masks, we put it over our mouth. This, I'm going to need you to put over your eyes. But not until you get back down there. So go, go down there, and then I need you to blindfold yourself. <laughs> what are you, a biker? <laughs> I'd be afraid of you, dude. <laughs> I mean, blindfold myself? Yeah, yeah, but like, well, just don't cheat. I would do it, but I mean, it's illegal. Yeah, we're going- just like right down here. Okay, so, okay, just, okay, if anyone's going to break the law, it's going to be Ryan, good. Okay. Um, Nate's, uh, Nate's a, a trained marksman, I've, uh, he, I've shot guns with him several times, oh, wait, um, so Nate, I'm going to give you a weapon, Second Amendment, woo, all right, love this congregation, you people are insane, Okay. All right, so this thing's been super disinfected, 99.9% of germs. This is a very powerful weapon. Okay, I want you to take—easy, champ. <laughs> get, get a hold on it. Now, you're going to need to—it's got, got a revolver clip here. you got five rounds. They're uh, non-lethal, so don't—okay, it's up here. There it is. Yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Just do it. <laughs> awesome. Great. Okay, so you know how to work it. Good. Uh, we're going to play what I like to call the most dangerous game. To hunt for another man. <laughs> oh, there he is. You heard him, right? Okay, so you know he's here. Ryan, here's the rules. You cannot, like, use a pew for, like, cover. No cover. So whatever you do, I'm going to give you one second. You think one? I'll say go, and then I'll give you one second, and then you have to freeze. Okay, Nate, calm yourself. <laughs> and after that, Ryan, you're going to have to freeze. Nate, you're going to have to try and hit him wherever you think he is, okay? okay. He's going to run, and you're going to listen, and you're going to try and shoot him. Got it? Yep. All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. <laughs> Freeze. <laughs> you're a dork. Okay, you lose, Nate. You did a terrible job. You completely find out where he is. You had the right idea, but you did an awful job. You know why? Because you had no help. So here you go, man. I'm going to let you reload. We're gonna give you a second chance. Yeah, you're popping out right there. Give me a second chance. Now, here, but here's the deal. This time, <laughs> this time, uh, you're gonna get some help from the congregation. So, congregation, we're gonna give Ryan like a second or two to run. And Nate's gonna have his uh, blindfold on, and then we're as a congregation, we're gonna guide him to find his prey and execute. This is a much more, it was much less violent in my head when I was planning this out. But okay, all right, so <laughs> just, just wait. Okay, all right, so Ryan, we'll give you like a couple seconds, all right? On your marks, guess it, go. Freeze. Okay, congregation, tell Nate where to go. You're right. You're right. No, 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 Just, just the, the stuff's right here. Stop. I'm helping you. Oh. Oh, this, this way, this way. All right. there, you, there you go. <laughs> up, up. Oh, you got them. I mean, you grazed them, but enough to put them down. Good job. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> well done, Nate and Ryan. Um, you may have noticed that um, without your help, well, even with your help, because you were so loud, Nate couldn't do anything, but when your, when your help was, was judicious and measured, Nate was able to take care of business. Ryan, uh, we'll work on your wounds later. I have a first aid kit. You're going to be fine. Hang in there. As we uh, get ready to close, I'd invite Tony to come on up and help us get ready to uh, close out. But yeah, I really missed you guys. And I know a lot of you have been uh, missing people and each other. But it's not just um, about knowing and loving and caring about you. It's that um, when we don't do this, we don't know what's going on with each other. We're not there to encourage. We're not there to, to correct in some cases, to offer comfort, to help. It, it feels like uh, just being cut off. And, and, and that was what Paul felt. When he left the church in Thessalonica, he'd come to dearly love the people there and, and, and day in day out, he would you know be praying like God bless the church, keep them safe but he didn 't know you know he didn 't know what was going on with them and i, I don't, for in, in large part i don 't know what 's been going on with you, and we don 't know what 's been going on with each other and and how is it that we can encourage, how is it that we can you know correct, how is it that we can uh, focus? How is it that we can worship? How is it that we can do all those things when we're apart? I mean, we can, we can, we, we can sort of find a way, but, but there's something about being face to face. We are on a journey together, a journey to glory, and that our success and our victory is shared, it's mutual. And we can't do it by ourselves. And when Tori goes off to college, Chris, when you go off to Gonzaga, we're going to be orphaned. And we're going to worry about you. And we're going to want you to come back. Let's pray. Gracious God, we um, we thank you for your faithfulness to this congregation. We thank you that uh, in the midst of a pandemic that we've been able to gather virtually. We thank you that um, the authorities have deemed it essential that we gather. God, we pray for um, this country riven with uh, strife and anger and rage and grief, God. Grief over injustice, grief over death. And God, we pray that you show yourself faithful to the country. We pray that the country will look and see that the real, true way of doing life is found in the church. It's found in Jesus. And may we build each other up more and more each week and check in and encourage and, and, and correct. And in that, may we be what you've called us to be until we brag about each other before our Lord Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.